0: So yeah, basically it's all a mess, but you know, I can't help but be a little excited because the, you know, the animated Spider-Man freshman year show looks pretty cool and he's obviously coming back for that. He will be voiced by Charlie Cox. And then Daredevil is confirmed to be in She-Hulk. I so I'm interested in that obviously and I like his new yellow suit. The real cherry on top is they announced an 18 episode series called Daredevil Born Again coming to Disney Plus in 2024, starring Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio. So obviously, I'm extremely excited for that. Pretty exciting stuff to come out of San Diego Comic-Con. And, you know, just when I thought I was out, they kind of wrote me back in. And that's not even to mention the DC slate of things coming up. What do you think about all that?
1: I don't, I don't care. I, you know, I, I just don't care. Cinematic universe this, universe that, this, uh, I, I don't know, I, I, I quit. I, I can't. What do you mean you quit?
0: Uh, I think I'm done with the pod. You're what? Wait, no, you can't. I couldn't believe my ears. Mike was quitting? I ran out the door after them. I watched my friend enter a room at the end of the ancient, musty hallway. It was a room I had never entered. Until this moment, I don't ever recall seeing that specific door, despite the numerous times I had dared to tread this extremely dangerous corridor ever since we purchased this elder castle on the surprise mechanic's corporate card, The mortgage was reasonable, the grounds in decent shape, and the previous tenant had installed high-speed fiber optic internet before being driven to madness by the countless mysteries the Elden Castle keeps. It is a wizened castle possessing an ancient truth. This, of course, means there are countless ghosts and gremlins that prowl the castle with us. They haunt our dreams, creating visions previously believed to be unimaginable and force us to confront our waking sanity. But the fiber speed really is top-notch. It's done wonders for our show, and also the summers are quite nice. Michael entered the room and was engulfed in a beautiful light that shone into the hallway, spotlighting the centuries-old skin cells that swam through the air. I ran as fast as I could down the hall. I rounded the corner and slammed into the still cracked door. I slid to a halt as I peered upon the source of the light. It was a large chrysalis, approximately twelve feet tall at its peak. Its edges were sharp and warm. It shone in brilliant hues of blue and pink. It was beautiful. I looked into the center of the strange, wonderful mass and I saw a figure there. It was familiar and yet new. I began to panic. How was I supposed to do this show by myself? It's called Surprise Mechanics. There is more than one mechanic. I cannot do it alone. I will not do it alone. All is lost. All is lost. Nobody is coming to help me. I heard the tears from my eyes. I had collapsed to my knees. In front of me, emerging from the chrysalis, was a... resume? The Chrysalis offered it to me as a tribute. No, as a blessing. I read the resume. It listed years of experience platinuming video games, discussing video games, and even hosting a video game podcast. The only podcast about video games. Surprise mechanics? What was the meaning of this? Of course, this person was the perfect candidate, but who? I read the name Michaela Jones. The chrysalis responded to my call. It pulsated as it began to peel itself away, blossoming like a beautiful summer rose. The figure inside looked down at me. They smiled and said, Hello. Welcome back to Surprise Mechanics, the only podcast about movies. I'm your co-host,
1: Roman Beattel, and joining me, as always, is Michaela Jones. Greetings, Filmer. I see you. Greetings, Filmer. I see you. And uh, what are we talking about today, Roman? We're
0: doing something a little different today. We got our educational hats on, and we're going to teach y'all something, or at least I'm going to try. Today, we're talking about something I have been dubbing to, to mostly just to you, <laughs> John Wick Likes. Uh, I don't know if I'm the first person to use that term. Probably not, because anything that has any original thought you've ever had has been had many times, countless over, by people across the globe.
1: Now, don't 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 shut yourself down so quickly. All you got to do is change <laughs> a Wikipedia article before everyone else. That's true. You're
0: right. And then it's like you know, it. If I'm the first one to get credited for it, you know, what's it really matter?
1: Yeah, who's I to say that you didn't?
0: I like that. I like where your head's at. Keep that up (laughs) throughout this whole one. You've got to be my hype man. (laughs) Um, So we're going to talk about John Wick likes and we're going to try as best as we can to describe what that is. But, you know, like all art, that's not easy to do. Things can be a part of many different genres or they can embrace some genre tropes while rejecting others. But we're just going to do. The best we can. The movies we're going to be referring to throughout this episode, the the three big ones are, of course, John Wick, which is going to be our touchstone. Uh, Atomic Blonde, directed by David Leach, starring Charlize Theron. And Kate, which was a Netflix movie that came out in 2021, starring Mary Elizabeth Winstead, directed by Cedric Nicholas Troyan. For those who are not familiar john wick is an action movie starring keanu reeves about a former uh, hitman sounds like it's too simple he's the hitman's hitman the baba yega he is a, a a really scary figure in the criminal underworld who has been retired for some time but is drawn out of retirement after his puppy is killed And it rules. Now, so, Michaela, you just watched all these movies.
1: Were any of these a first watch for you? So I had seen the first John Wick, and the ones I had not seen were the second film and the third film in this trilogy, which this is, like, the first time I've seen them. And unlike your experience, probably, because I know that you really like these movies, um, Mm -hmm. I saw them all back to back. You probably had to wait a little bit of time for them to produce another one and then release it. Um, so I'm curious how that experience is different.
0: Sure. So, I mean, we should say just for the record, we're mostly just going to talk about the first John Wick, um, not the franchise as a whole, but I'm of course happy to, uh, indulge a little bit here. I, it's been a minute since I've watched two and three. One is still my go-to. I just, I love that first movie for a lot of reasons we'll talk about. I remember after... Two, my initial reactions were it felt perhaps a little unnecessary, but these movies are so gratuitous and in, in like the best possible way. They're extremely self aware uh, that I don't necessarily mind that so much. And I loved three, I thought three ruled. And uh, I obviously cannot wait for the upcoming John Wick four. I will watch these movies as long as they make them. And Keanu Reeves has said he will make them as long as people watch them. So I'm hoping this is a never-ending cycle of uh getting to watch John Wick movies. <laughs> what was your take
1: having watched them all back to back? I I really like the first movie, uh quite a quite a lot. It, it it's really powerful and like it doesn't take any time like to hesitate to get you invested at the very beginning and all the way through to the end. It's a fun roller coaster ride. And the other movies do that as well. Like The the overall production is great, and they're fun to watch. Um, But I kind of feel similar in the sense that the first movie is probably my favorite out of the bunch. And the others that follow it, um, sometimes they feel like they're going a little bit over the top. They feel a lot more cheesy. And uh, they... Don't always necessarily feel like they capture the magic that occurred in the first movie, at least for me. But just like you, I would say, you know, if John Wick 4 comes out, I'm not not going to see it. It's a fun time. I'll take a John Wick
0: movie or a movie in this John Wick like genre over like any military shooter (laughs) any day of the week. Even a bad John Wick like I'll watch over a, like, military, jingoistic action movie any day. Not that there isn't, like, you know, I, I'm, like, a pig in shit with this stuff. Like, I'll, I'll roll around in the dirt and watch a really shitty action movie with, like, incoherent politics or whatever. But even, like, these movies we're going to talk about today are, like, relatively apolitical. If anything, Atomic Blonde, I kind of forgot that uh, she's a CIA agent, <laughs> so, like, re-watching this one. Um, but... I don't necessarily think like politics
1: play too huge of a role in a John, a good John Wick like. No, I think you're just here for like a, a, a simple um, m- motivation, a simple like connection to characters, and then you want to see those characters succeed in the most badass way possible. And that's what these sure. movies deliver on. So absolutely. You don't really need a whole lot of extra. And in some cases that extra is probably better delivered as subtexts, uh, as like, you know, pieces of the movie that may not be like deliberately spoken, but implied. Um, right. You know, so they're they're good as they are. Absolutely. So I mentioned um, Atomic Blonde is directed
0: by a man named David Leach not david lynch okay not the twin peaks guy (laughs) that's gonna set me off if you say it's the twin peaks guy so seriously don't do that david leach uh and we discovered when you and i were just talking the other day that name might come up a few times because i i would say david leach is one of the like two godfathers of the john wick like the other being chad staleski who is the credited director of the first John Wick, but David Leach is an uncredited co-director. And these two guys are former stuntmen. They started their own, like, action design company and essentially, like, birthed this, like, subgenre of action movie, at least in in my view. These are not the first hyper-stylized action movies, of course, but there's so much unique about them. And I think the fact that these two people were former stuntmen it, it, that provides some much needed context for what makes these movies work. Cause the first thing I want to say, and it, it, I feel like it, my thoughts are a little scattered here. So how do you want to tackle this Michaela? Cause do you want to talk about the, like the form or
1: the thematic stuff that makes a John wick like tick? The first thing that pops into my mind is the form, like the, um, the yeah, action we're there already, the action of these movies feels like it, 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 they have a del- like a deliberate style and watching through all of them in succession, the way that I did uh, it, it definitely comes off as like, okay, this was made by this person and I can kind of pick out some little details that would indicate that style and that creator and a film down the road. If you know, I'm sitting there and I don't really pay attention to the credits, so like, Oh, Hey, I, I think I know who made this, uh, based right. off of the way the action plays out and, um, the way that it's shot and it's pacing, uh, there's uh, there's a style there. Right. And you mentioned the way it's shot. I think one of the most
0: important things that these movies do well is they're not afraid of a good wide shot in an action sequence. They want to show off the choreography. They want you to see the talent and the craft that goes into the stunt work which is often really overlooked in the industry as a whole and a lot of times you know you you might be dealing with actors who either couldn't or wouldn't put in the proper time to train so there's a lot of quick cuts a lot of close-ups and you know you know a bad fight scene when you see it you might not have the vocabulary to articulate why it is bad and you might be hosting a podcast trying to do just that but nonetheless you know It when you see it and in these movies, when you're watching, you know, Keanu Reeves get into a knife fight in a wide shot with like three other guys, uh, it's it's incredible and it's stunning. And you can tell there was a lot of time put in to making that work.
1: Definitely. And I think the thing that really glues these movies together is how good that work is, because the camera is showing off all this choreography. Um, that is painstakingly practiced and perfected. They've plotted out every single like punch, every single uh, kick, gunshot, whatever. And um, those details are important in that movie because that's where their, their, their style is, is being expressed. So those details um, are a thing that are like key characteristics of these films. and, that one of the big selling points, um, you're here to see action. So we're going to design really solid quality action for you and it'll be fun. It'll, you know, definitely evoke some, some emotions and feelings in the viewer. And, uh, it, it, it looks amazing and it looks real, uh, or at least if not real, incredibly believable. Um, So it it makes that movie going experience pretty fun. And and one thing I would add, too, and we're getting a
0: little bit into like thematic stuff with this, but the protagonists of a John Wick like typically take as much as they get. Uh, You definitely are watching, you know, the character you're rooting for get smacked around during these fight scenes, which for, for me personally, I really like that. I like it when the character I'm rooting for gets their ass kicked a little bit and keeps chugging. I also think it just kind of raises the stakes in a movie if you see the protagonist is really going up against people who uh are just as skilled as they are. There's actually I may be getting my John Wicks confused here, but you just watched them all. The the which one is it where John Wick fights a guy and it's like a room full of mirrors. It might even be two brothers, and at the end he he lets
1: them go. They just kind of nod and go their separate ways. Do you remember which one that is? Okay, so that's a little tough because there's a similar set <laughs> in 2 and 3. And in 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 3 he fights two guys and they have like a very respectful fight uh where like they stop and they acknowledge each other and uh Yes, this is and, the one I think. And, and and then they carry on. That happened in 3. And then like their boss has a similar type of uh attitude where He says that like at the end, like that was a cool fight, wasn't it? That was pretty fun. And then he's like, yeah, sure. And then they move on. Um, So I think what (laughs) you're talking about happened in John Wick 3.
0: Yes. So if I remember correctly, the reason that sequence ends the way it did is because the story goes, during rehearsal, that stunt person, who was actually the actor in the movie, was just actually just repeatedly kicking Keanu Reeves' ass. And Keanu Reeves went to the director and said... John Wick is not going to kill this guy (laughs) Like he's too good at what he does And I respect him for it So Keanu Reeves is like no he lives This person lives (laughs) Uh, Yeah, John Wick 3 does a really funny thing I'm remembering now where like People are starstruck to Be fighting John Wick Yes But it's it it makes sense in that world Because John Wick is really built up As this like mythic figure And actually there's kind of like a a nihilistic tone in all of the first John Wick movie, where the villains just know the ending is inevitable. John Wick is coming,
1: and he is going to succeed. Yeah, they spare no time in make making it clear that John Wick is not a person you want to have uh, a bad relationship with, and. You don't you don't want to be on his bad side. He he once killed a bunch of guys with a pencil. Yeah, uh, th- three guys in a bar with just a pencil, and even like top dogs that with a lot of power and and uh, very competent in a fight themselves are terrified. Yep, a thing also about a John Wick like, and
0: of course this is a little subjective, but they. They're not afraid to be funny. There's like a lot of solid jokes. And I think that kind of lends itself well to a lot of action movies, but they're never like corny or quippy. Um, you know, David Leitch did direct Deadpool 2. So, you know, he's no stranger to comedy, but this does not feel like MCU. He's right behind me, isn't he? Jokes. And and I find, and I don't know how intentional this is, but whenever I watch like a high octane action movie like one of these I will sometimes find myself cackling at just how incredible some of the stunt choreography is because it is just so insane, but it's mostly, I don't know, maybe it's like, you know, some people have like a nervous laugh reflex. It's almost like an impressive laugh reflex. Like I'm seeing something that I know I could never achieve and I can't believe what I'm watching.
1: Well, yeah, I think in that way you can clearly say that that choreography essentially tells a story and that's just you reacting to right. it in the same way that a line of dialogue would cause you to laugh.
0: The only other final point I had about form is that these movies are, as we mentioned, hyper stylized, both aesthetically and in their lighting. But then also just the, the worlds feel very lived in. You are being dropped in the middle of a, 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 a story story. Again, to use John Wick as an example, he John Wick has been active for decades. He's just retired. He's now coming back. He knows countless people in this world. There's not many people he meets that it's like his first time meeting them, except for the guy that kills his dog who ends up being like the big bad son. He's a fail son of like a, a Russian crime boss. And I'm thinking here, and I think you can mostly say the same thing for Kate and Atomic Blonde. Atomic Blonde is a little different than the other two because... It is kind of a political thriller. Um, maybe we should take this time real quick. We we described what John Wick's deal is. Why don't we do a quick plot breakdown of both Kate and Atomic Blonde? So that way, when we reference them, people have like a little bit of
1: a, of context. Sounds good. So I would say Atomic Blonde is a spy thriller. Um, it it kind of evokes a little bit of James Bond, uh, and in the sense that you're following spies and uh, really tense lands and you're not quite sure who's who really um the film follows um as you mentioned she, she's a CIA agent but you don't know that at the beginning you think she's a British agent um because uh, a British agent is killed in 1989 in Berlin the wall is up and tensions are high but the wall is about to come down And there is a list of uh, spies that a uh, East Berlin defector has and West Berlin or just the West intelligence community really wants. And so they send her in to figure out, you know, who killed this guy, where is the list and uh, get this defector across the wall safely. And be notes to them. Uh, one of the people they're in contact with is a double agent working for the other side. And so they often run into roadblocks where uh, somehow the KGB already knew what they were planning to do and had some kind of contingency for it. And uh, from there, it's heavy action and spy thriller classics, Um, even down to like a little bit of romance and uh smooth talking at the bar or hey, hey check this out on the street check this out. wherever yeah
0: in soviet russia list right you oh dang
1: pretty good, right yeah, pretty yeah good. that's, that's not pretty bad. good yeah i like pretty it pretty good um so i feel like atomic bond has a little bit extra because it's it's not just that that wick-like action film with a badass protagonist it it's also a spy thriller um sure. which is like a fun setting and 1989 uh, Germany is, it's like historic fiction, and I always kind of like that. Rewatching it, man, that like stairwell fight scene, going yes. into the apartments is a fucking all
0: timer. It is so cool. Really, yeah. really great movie. Highly recommend Atomic Blonde. Fantastic. Uh, all the way through. Well acted too. Yeah, I mean, any movie with John Goodman is guaranteed like 8 out of 10 for me. The
1: soundtrack uh, has some excellent, <laughs> oh, yeah. excellent songs in it, including some that you already know because it's the 80s. And then uh, the the style of this film, I think, is the most striking out of all of the ones we'll be talking about today. Um, it it just has so much neon lighting in it. I love it. You know what I'm realizing is another, at
0: least with these three movies, another great trend for John Wick is the character that I'm just going to call Cool Daddy. John Wick, or maybe you could make an argument for two, because there's, of course, the owner of the... Um, uh, oh, I'm totally blanking on what's the hotel called? The Continental. Continental, thank you. Continental, owned by Ian McShane. But there's also Lance Reddick, who works the desk. So you got cool, two cool daddies. Uh, in Atomic Blonde, you got John Goodman, who is a, a CIA handler. And then in Kate, you get Woody Harrelson,
1: who's the Kate handler.
0: But, you know, he's not so much a cool daddy, is he, now that I'm thinking about it?
1: Yeah, actually, speaking of it, um, we should go through the synopsis of Kate. Absolutely. So Kate is
0: about uh, Kate is about an American assassin in Japan who, uh, one night, is poisoned uh, it, terminally. She's radiation poisoned, and knows essentially from the first act of the movie that she is going to die by the end of the night. So she goes on a rampage to find out who poisoned her and seek revenge, assuming it was the Yakuza, because months prior, she did a job in which she uh, failed to eliminate a higher up member of the Yakuza, but did kill. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm getting my timelines mixed up. She did. Why don't you do it? <laughs> okay. Scrap it. Okay. <laughs>
1: Uh, So Kate is a 2021 film uh, which follows a woman named Kate. She is an American assassin uh, in Tokyo uh, on a job to assassinate high uh, leadership in a Yakuza uh, group. And um, she successfully kills a high-level Yakuza member. And then the next day, she is uh, poisoned with... Uh, radiation. Uh, it's like a guarantee that she will die in a day. And that sets off her um, revenge for being poisoned and uh, drive to complete the job that she started, um, which then leads her through a wild goose chase uh, full of uh, punches and kicks and uh, guns and chases. And uh, she eventually finds out that the people around her weren't necessarily the people who she thought they were. But in the end, Kate powers through her deteriorating body and overcomes.
0: Yep. And she is of course, uh, her, her path reunites with the daughter of a Yakuza leader she had killed months prior. And, uh, Ultimately, this, this movie is, is a, it's a revenge story until the final act when it becomes a bit of a redemption arc for Kate, where she finally has to confront her, her true betrayer. Um, also really cool. Also a very good movie. And I thought a pretty uh, good example of a John Wick, like what were your overall thoughts of it? Since this was your first time seeing it. I, I honestly feel
1: like Kate was my least favorite out of the bunch. Um, and, and that is for a few reasons, but I would say before mentioning those that it was a fun movie. Um, you know the, the action was pretty good. Uh, I felt like some of the action, not the action. I felt like some of the acting wasn't quite up to what I'd expect and, and uh, sometimes the the dialogue in the script would kind of like grate me. Um, but overall I was invested. And I saw it through to the end, and at the end, I thought, you know, that was that was an alright movie. Um, but if I were to, you know, have it on my shelf and it sits next to John Wick or Atomic Blonde, then I'm more likely to watch one of those movies instead of Kate.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I I don't want to spend too long disparaging Kate, but I, I it definitely is. I think the my least favorite of these three, but I like you said, I still think it's pretty solid and. I think for a Netflix movie, um, kind of as good as we can ask for. And especially one that <laughs> came out
1: in 2021, you know, it came out right. during a pretty tough time. So exactly. there's, there's a lot of stuff in that movie where I'm like, mm, this feels like it came out during uh, the pandemic, you know, and, um, it, it's, it is what it is and it's, it's fine, you know? Um, so I don't think anybody would be at a loss or do psychic harm to themselves by watching it. Um, for a fun action film uh, is it's just uh, not quite up to what we've seen with some other movies and that's all right maybe well we're not going to get a Kate too but if we get an- <laughs> another film I would watch it in, in in that vein you know then maybe maybe they'll hit the mark the next time
0: I did though like that there's a fight scene with a man in a like snakeskin jacket that you're not going to convince me is a reference to Majima from oh, some
1: some yakuza video game stuff. Uh, absolutely,
0: you're not going to convince me otherwise. He even like even his personality was like really flamboyant and like psychotic, uh,
1: and that actually wasn't. See, the thing is, like you know, Kate still has some some great scenes, some great action sequences. It sure does, and like it, it's still fun. Um, so it it definitely finds itself home in this like subgenre of John Wick likes,
0: right? Well, let's get into, we've talked about the form a little bit. Let's get into like the content of a John Wick movie. Obviously, as we've said countless times, they're action movies. But I think the main draw for me is in the action, uh, the violence has, it it takes a toll. There's a human element uh, you're watching at play here. And I think all of these movies do that well, but Atomic Blonde really uh, uh, does not shy away from it. We see... Uh, near the end of the first act of Atomic Blonde, they do a little bit of time jumping, and we essentially are seeing the end of the story. And then you know she's being debriefed and telling how she got to that point. And we see her taking an ice bath, and her body is just wrecked, just absolutely looks like she's been in a car accident. Which spoiler alert, she uh, has.
1: Yeah, there's uh, there's no question that there's a real uh, stake in these movies. They're not just um, like plowing through waves of bad guys, uh, for the sake of action, these characters are just as vulnerable as the people they're fighting against. And, uh, it's, it's kind of believable that any moment the, the filmmakers could easily just like write off that character somehow, or put them in an impossible situation. Um, but, they always tend to pull through, which is the amazing thing. So even when the odds seem against them, they they manage, and it's it, it takes extreme effort and dedication and focus uh, to do that. And and I think that these movies and the way they characterize these protagonists uh, definitely express that. Absolutely, and the protagonists are also
0: flawed people. John Wick. For as much as you root for him and love him and he's extremely likable, because I feel like Keanu Reeves just brings like a charisma and likability to every role he plays. It's very easy to imagine a movie in which John Wick is the villain. You simply tell it from another person's perspective and then John Wick comes into their birthday party and blasts them all to hell or whatever. Uh, Kate especially, I think, perhaps grapples with this more than the other two movies we're talking about in terms of like she's not a particularly good person and you sort of root for her up to a point simply because that's almost just feels like the character we've been chosen to follow in this full world.
1: Yeah. I, I would say with Kate, um, there's really no like moral ambiguity up until she meets uh, the Yakuza chairman uh, niece who uh, she, she killed her father and they, they, yeah hit it off and they become partners <laughs> and you're like, "Yeah." are they going to resolve this, uh this huge, huge issue? Because like the moment that Kate says that, Hey, I killed your dad, like that's going to cause some drama. Um And I almost thought the movie was about to end before it ever d- dove into it. But it was at that moment that it did that. I think it really drew me back in because there's, you know, more nuance in your character. Now we can see them right. Right in, through different perspectives more easily.
0: Yeah, that kind of is when it that final act of Kate, when it really becomes the redemption tale is, in my opinion, I think kind of what makes this movie, uh, it elevates it a lot. I've really found myself enjoying it in that final act quite a bit. And and I feel like there's despite these movies being hyper violent, they're sort of like deeply empathetic. I think these movies smartly put the focus on very human characters because that's sort of where they extrapolate any grander meaning, you know, John wick famously the, the chair monologue at the very end of the movie, he is the be- essentially in the clutches of the villains and they have him zip tied to a chair and a villain basically says, you know, it's kind of crazy. You're doing all this for a dog because at this point in the movie, John wick has killed easily dozens of people <laughs> as a conservative estimate. And John wick in no uncertain terms explains that that, that, dog that was left to him as a gift from his recently deceased wife was his chance to grieve alone and that was taken from him so what we're seeing here this movie everything he's done is a man grieving and that kind of i think comes out of left field the first time you see john wick if you don't really know what you're getting into and it just makes the movie snap into place And for both Atomic Blonde and Kate, there is an element of that, of this very human character who is just trying to find their way and happens to have somehow in the history of their life landed in this criminal underworld. Perhaps Atomic Blonde less than the other two because it does get into that spy thriller stuff, but it does it effectively
1: nonetheless. Yeah, sometimes I think it... it comes out through character relationships um like in specifically atomic blonde i think there's there's another spy that the main protagonist meets and um that spy is not seasoned uh they're they're very green and uh they definitely look at and uh it seems that like they genuinely kind of express themselves a little bit too freely to be in the job that they have Right. Where our main protagonist comes off as very cold because they have to be to survive. So there is kind of this moment of, like, you get a sneak peek of who this person might be, but you really don't in this movie because if you did, then they wouldn't be a very good spy. These movies kind of wear their hearts on their sleeves. Uh,
0: Earlier, you know, you mentioned, Michaela, how, you know, they can be a little corny or whatever, but... I get the sense that the filmmakers and everyone involved knows that. They know exactly what they're making here. They know what they're doing. And there's a charm to that. We mentioned these worlds feel very lived in. One thing I found in each of these three movies especially is they love their secret societies, huh?
1: They really do. They they all kind of follow that uh, that trope. There is a an organization or even an entire, like, continents that just have uh very vast and lush underworlds of crime uh to the point where you can just shoot somebody in the middle of a crowded subway station and then the bodies just disappear before uh the the people who did it even leave and you didn't really even see how they disappeared now that example might have been just a a goof on set that you know they forgot that when they switched to the other shot of them leaving (laughs) the scene to have you know bodies on the ground behind them but like there are so many moments where you see the the process of like organized crime someone is murdered someone comes to clean it up and then that just kind of repeats and so it's safe to assume that in that environment that Uh, With as many people as there are that are shown to be involved in this underworld that, okay, yeah, someone saw what was about to happen and they knew what their job was. I got to clean up because the regular public is just walking about and they don't want them tripping over these people that just got stabbed and then break their cover and my cover and everyone else's cover. Uh, So, you know, it's it's whisked away by a sense of disbelief. Um, but right. it is kind of funny as the John Wick movies carry on, like John Wick is running for his life and it's seemingly every single person just hanging out outside starts turning their head very, uh, ominously yeah. toward him as he runs <laughs> by and you're like, yeah, holy shit. That is like everybody except like, I don't know me got an invite to the party? I don't know. <laughs> it's it, it it's a little silly, but like it it it's solid in creating a uh a very tense moment um and and this like feeling of insurmountable difficulty ahead. Um so it works for what it is. Right. You you see a, a- crime happen in
0: John Wick, and they pay you off with one of those gold coins they use, and you're like, what the hell am I supposed to do with this?
1: <laughs> Thanks for the token. That. I expected that at some point, you know, like, oh, cool, I can right. go get the prize at Chuck e. Cheese or something, you know? Um,
0: but yeah. Because it, that it, is <laughs> another thing. They have their own currency, and John Wick especially, you know, uh, you know, you were saying it as a joke, but there is more than one scene where we see a business that is the cleaners where they come and they clean up a crime scene and they get paid in these gold coins. The continental hotel is, is uh, seemingly exclusively for these hitmen folks. It would be again, very funny to see like a family visiting New York city who, Oh, we got a great rate (laughs) and just like in the (laughs) continental, but you know, continental is very strict. There's no business on the grounds. You, everyone is, is allowed to stay there. It's neutral. Uh, and then John Wick in one of the movies is made excommunicado which as you're describing means he's on the run from apparently everyone in the world who is in this hitman guild but there's there's like very strict rules and and it's
1: honorable and then you know they it's a secret society i i think um, one of my favorite things about the continental concept is that the way that they they apply it and i think it's John Wick 3 uh, reminds me so much of playing um humans versus zombies in college (laughs) where where (laughs) one of the rules was you know there's the game doesn't take place on any stairwells for safety and and also just like there's a, a safe place a safe harbor when you're out and about and um well you can like be chased by a group of zombie players and then go jump on the steps and hang out um but they might be waiting for you to to leave that stair uh you know once you have to go somewhere and the same thing happens in one of the John Wick movies where he's like racing to the continental so that he can take advantage of that rule that no business is conducted on the grounds and it's literally just his hand on the first step outside the front door yeah
0: there's a D-bed rule in
1: John Wick. <laughs> Don't be a dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man,
0: I still think about... So I played Humans versus Zombies r- regularly my first semester at college. And because, you know, as you know, there was always a fall game and a spring game. And the fall game was always bigger because it fell around Halloween time. And, you know, everyone was in the, the spooky mood. And I remember I got out in... It might have been the spring game because someone claimed to be an admin and was helping me and my friend through a building because you also couldn't play in the building. And the second we got out, they turned us both. And I really, in that minute, thought I had a case for d because that was another thing. You know, the rules were a little flimsy and like you could straight up escalate it to like call a like leader from the org to your location on campus. And I really thought like I could... This is bullshit,
1: but I didn't care enough. Roman almost called the video game cops, except they're not. I did. Video. I almost called the Nerf police. Not not a video <laughs> game, but yeah, I, I I particularly enjoyed that game. Was this the fall of 2010 that you played?
0: Yeah, I played fall and spring, but I I was not as into it in the spring. I actually think after I'm remembering now, after I got out that time, I just didn't really care. the The fall game, I was actually the only one of my friends to make it to the final confrontation. Oh. so I just willingly got turned instantly so i could play with my friends but i didn't spoil the plan cuz that would have been you know not cool yeah
1: yeah i um i played mostly the fall of 2010 as well and i survived the entire week including the final mission um oh nice i rolled my ankle really hard on the first night and uh it was like sprained pretty badly but i still played and i even played like during the week with a sprained ankle and uh, I still managed to survive like we were at the point of the final mission where it was just like, yeah, there's no way it's not going to happen. We're done. And I sat down on a bench and everybody just walked by me. They didn't bother <laughs> to even like like they didn't see me or if they did, they just didn't care. They're like, oh, yeah, that person's sitting down, I guess. Um, so I I lived all the way through as a human. But um, yeah, it. it was it was kind of a funny funny uh time but it was very fun to play and i i did do some uh crazy stuff i got stuck on uh, a staircase for a very long time i had to outweigh um uh, a couple people and then finally they they left before uh before it got too late because it was like Maybe one a.m. at this point, I'm like trying. <laughs> no, I'm like outweight you. I'm like fuck, fuck. Um, I have a fun. Did you take your bandana off to go back to the dorm, or did you
0: keep it on? I kept it on. Now, did you keep it on between classes and stuff? Were you like in not it?
1: always? Not always. Yeah, me neither. Because um, I was like, if depending on the class, and also because I really did hurt my ankle. Sure. Uh, um, I I actually had uh, I played for that week, and then I had crutches after the week was oh, over. Oh damn. Um, but it wasn't like. So severe that I went to a doctor and it was like fractured anything, it was just very painful to walk on. So I just wanted to make right. that a little easier for myself. But, um, uh, you know, like getting to class on a hurt ankle, I was like, I should probably focus on my class, uh, over right. the game. <laughs> and then when I was done with classes, uh, I would like do mini missions as well as Wait, the main missions.
0: Is this your Japanese class you failed? Yes, because of that injury. <laughs>
1: Yeah, my class was like on the fourth floor of one of the buildings, and there's only a stairwell. Not, a, not I don't think Amazing. there was an elevator that I could find. Because oh, also yes. like the, the building was like a maze. So if I found the elevator, <laughs> I'd have to spend like another 20 minutes finding my classroom. Because um, it was right next to I the heard stairwell. It playing human, I, I heard it playing BG Undead, Professor. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a fun story uh, where I, I had a John Wick 3 moment with the Continental. I was at the the one of the science buildings doing a mini mission, and um, or I was just like out with a couple of friends at night, and uh, there were some zombies hanging out on the steps on the side of the building, and um, we we walked up to them, and we were like just having a chat with them, even though like all of us as humans were approaching this stairwell very vulnerable and kind of just hanging out, not really too worried about it. Um, I got close to the staircase and Jimmy DeMarco jumped off of the stairs, the man, and tapped both of my shoulders. And then he's like, gotcha. And then I pointed my index finger, I took my, my hand, and I was like, I pointed down at the ground. My foot was on the first step. <laughs> Hell yeah. I was legitimately proud of myself. How did Jimmy take it? <laughs> He took it very well. He was like a very good sport about it. And uh, no one complained about it. They were like, all right, you did it. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) I uh, do you remember in the fall game,
0: which I I mean, this was like 10 years, more than 10 years ago, so I don't expect you to. One of the missions involved. I, I forget what the setup was, but I think it was like going to collect medical supplies, you know, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. But they were represented by these pumpkins. You had to they were like all across campus. You had to go get it and then escort it back to, I think, the, the union.
1: I don't remember that. I don't remember the details of the missions very much. I only remember this one because. uh, Basically,
0: myself and my my friends from the dorm freshman year. We did not agree with the plan, like our the the designated leader had put forth. So we broke off on our own, and we found one of the pumpkins by um. Do I don't remember what the building is, but on the campus it's like right next to the cemetery, and it's it's like not the music building, but between that it's like one of those like masters buildings that you don't really go in much as an undergrad. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, it was there and I remember us rushing like just like the four or five of us like we had what the strong friend carried it obviously and uh, us just guarding him as we ran back and then we and we didn't see any zombies and I think we saw a group as we were like rounding a corner and we saw them running to find people because they saw that there were only like a couple of us carrying this pumpkin and we're going as fast as we can but it was a pretty big pumpkin and um. We managed to get it to the safe place and then we reunited with our group as like it turned out the whole horde was following them. And the the the, the leader guy was even like, I guess I'm kind of glad you guys went off on your
1: own. <laughs> wow. Amazing. The rogues.
0: Yeah. You know, that game was it was one of those things. Everyone involved knew exactly how nerdy we all looked, but it was <laughs> but pretty it was fucking fun. fun. It
1: was so fun. It was just adult tag. Yeah, it was awesome. Did you play? Beyond freshman year? I, I only played my freshman year. Um, yeah, same. I, I kind of fizzled out in the spring uh, game, too. Yeah, um, same, exact like, same trajectory. I <laughs> played for, like, one game or one day. You hurt your and other ankle like, in the spring. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> but uh, there was another moment. It might have been that mission. I don't know. Like, we were all huddled together near Olskamp. And there was, like, just a massive horde of zombie players. And I was in the front line. Um, and, uh, I actually, I, I I don't remember how, but I got an antidote at one point. So, um, they, I, I somehow acquired an antidote and I was in the front line of this group. Um, and I just remember pushing back so much, like, um, (laughs) it was nuts because they kept, they they really kept pushing on us and, and they were making progress, uh, so much. Um, Richard Sanders tagged me after I actually like got him with my nerf blaster Mm -hmm. and mine was modified. Like I took the, the air, I also uh, modified my, I I took like the air restrictor out. And so it like, it, it would really like send that dart far if I wanted it to. Yeah.
0: I added nitrous in a CO2 tank. (laughs)
1: I, made
0: somebody a, I, I had a crows. I, I hung out in a crow's nest on the clock tower and I sniped people from the
1: union. Somebody I heard at one point like we stopped a, a game once because uh, I, I think somebody had like an airsoft gun. Holy fuck. Yeah, it was like or at least either they did or there was concern that someone did. So like we paused for a minute while like people were like looking around and like checking things. And then we went back to it. I don't know whatever came of it, but I remember a scare about something like that. Um, Damn! But uh, I never saw it or got hit by one. Um, but I just I just cut a piece of plastic in my Nerf blaster so that the dart would go farther if I needed it to. Because the default, it was very like wimpy. And um, yeah. I had <laughs> I had a a a Nerf shotgun like a double barrel. <laughs> And I had uh I had this one rifle that with like a a drum. And uh and and so like if if uh with the drum and like a bunch of like extra clips. And so if I if I was like in a bind, I had that double barrel. Um and I like I legit like had some fucking amazing moments with it. Like like (laughs) I felt like John Wick uh at or Kate at one point during these games. So it was very fun. Do you remember the guy in the ghillie suit? (laughs)
0: i i very much respect the the commitment but the thing is in this game we had to wear bright blue bandanas also he was running
1: and he's in a ghillie (laughs) suit too or like i I remember uh, frank wearing like night armor and stuff uh yeah i got tagged by richard sanders in this like massive horde that i was trying to fend off with a massive group of other people and um i like We we argued for like a brief moment. I was like, I got you. I'm like, no, you didn't. I got you before you got me. (laughs) (laughs) And then he's like, no. And I'm like, okay, well, I have an antidote anyway. (laughs) Nice. And I that was like the one moment I was like, ah, shit, I almost. Oh, wait, I have this thing. I forgot about this thing. Um, and then after that, I was like, "No more frontline. I'm, I'm like moving to the back. I've got all this range. Right. Why am I in the front?" But uh, I just remembered like my my loadout from <laughs> from that week, and I was like, "Oh, that's kind of amazing." I still have them too. I still have both of them. There's somewhere around here. Hell yeah! But, uh, no, was that was a fun week. That game is really fun. It was fun. I wonder if they still play it. I do too. It it seems like it could easily get out of hand and. Uh, people would rather not do it out of being safe than do it because uh like that airsoft scare was uh or could have been potentially dangerous in a in a very bad way and uh there's like a lot of pandemonium that goes on, so I can see it being a little bit less uh acceptable um i guess
0: I would have to imagine. I never had any classes in the education building, but the education building on Bowling Green's campus is is surrounded on all sides by stairs. So that was just like the hangout spot. Like everyone would just loiter on those stairs. I remember like zombies especially would hang out there because it was also right in the middle of like an intersection where you could just charge. And I have to imagine if you took any classes in the education building. Uh, Especially if you did not play BG Undead You were probably like these fucking people (laughs) Every time you come out And there's just like a wall of people Hanging out (laughs) Yeah it's definitely a chaotic week Speaking of chaos I have two examples Of a John Wick like That personally did not do it so much For me it's of course always subjective And these movies may Really do it for some people but I wasn't as big of a fan The first one is One called Gunpowder Milkshake have you heard of that, Michaela? No, but the name sounds fun. Yeah, so essentially, these are not my words, but like sort of the premise of this movie is, quote unquote, John Wick with chicks. And it's about a woman who comes into care of essentially a daughter of one of her marks. And then she discovers reunites with her mother, who is also like a hit woman and there's this whole, like, again, an underground society uh, of, like, where... I think they call it, like, the library or something, or the bookstore, where it's, like, a bunch of, like, a group of matriarchs work in this bookstore that arms these people. So, they they hide their weapons in the books. Um, there is a pretty cool fight scene in a bowling alley and a pretty cool fight scene in that bookstore. But overall, this one just did not do it so much for me. Uh, worth noting, as far as I know from... Um, The 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 credits I read, I don't think any John Wick alum are in this one or or even producing. So Um, but it has a good cast and the role of cool daddy is played by Paul Giamatti. So it's definitely not bad. Uh, Just it it was a Netflix movie and it did well enough where they are making a sequel. But who knows with Netflix? You know, they're not very straightforward when it comes to their numbers and their viewership. So don't really know what that means. But it has like an A-list cast and there was like a lot of money behind it. So it must have done well enough for them to want to keep it going. And I should mention, again, I will watch a sequel because I will, even a mediocre John Wick-like, I will still uh, watch, especially when it's on a service I already subscribed to. The other one, and this one was a bit of a bummer to me, is a movie called Nobody that was made by some John Wick alums and stars the man, the myth, the legend Bob Odenkirk. And Nobody is, it, it takes a very similar setup to John Wick where it's about, a retired former cool guy (laughs) uh, who is kind of forced out of retirement, but it it does something kind of interesting where the the nobody Bob Odenkirk is a family man now. And he essentially is kind of driven out of retirement just because he feels like too much of a loser. Like he's like, and he like can't suppress the rage any longer. Um, I don't know. This one just did not do it for me. I really wanted to like it. That being said, it does have the bus fight scene, which I mean, even if you've seen the trailer, it's like the first, You can always tell, like, what's the first fight scene in one of these movies, right? Because that's the one that's, like, featured. Uh, And the bus fight scene is really, really good.
1: I guess we've kind of recognized that that they've built a little subgenre of their own as far as action flicks go. Mm Mm-hmm. That's right.
0: Now, I think I know the answer, but of the three we talked about today, which one would you say is your personal
1: favorite? I think I'd go with Atomic Blonde. Mm -hmm. I think that one's my favorite for sure. Um... I, I, the performances are phenomenal. Music's great. Um, the, like I said before, the the aesthetic, the, the lighting, all that neon—it just uh, it, it screams synthwave, vaporwave to me. And uh, I'm a sucker for historical fiction, and uh, it it gives me big like Metal Gear Solid Three vibes because that's another uh, thing that is very heavily rooted in historical fiction. So. Um, seeing like those events play out in tandem with the the plot of the film is like a fun thing to me. Um, so there's just a lot about that movie that intrigues me and keeps me interested all the way through. And uh, I'd say after that, I I definitely watched John Wick the first film, um, and then Kate. Sure. I, you know, for me, of course, it's got
0: to be John Wick is number one. Uh, I think I would probably put John Wick on like easily on a top 10 favorite movies list if I, if I had to sit down and do that. Um, but I do really, really enjoy Atomic Blonde quite a bit. I think the thing that perhaps makes me lose interest in that one just slightly is, uh, you know. A lot of times I spy intrigue just does not do it for me. And there is definitely a lot of that in Atomic Blonde and I think Atomic Blonde does it better than many other spy movies that come to my mind. But you know, I'm just kind of a stupid guy and I just want to watch some people p- people fight and I think I prefer the more human personal uh,
1: justifications for that. The the wickiness of the action yeah.
0: Yeah, I think I prefer uh, just someone uh, doing it for a, a personal reason, be it they feel compelled to or, you know, what have you. Uh, and more so than a, a, a it's my job. I, I'm I'm a tool of a of a government uh, that I have to do that.
1: It's my it's probably my favorite spy thriller movie. Like, get out of here, James Bond. Uh, Atomic <laughs> I would is the probably shit. agree. Yeah,
0: and you used to be a really big James Bond fan, right? I remember that.
1: Yeah, up until Skyfall, I had watched all of them. Um, so I, I just, uh, eh. but uh, yeah, fair enough. I think you would love Metal Gear Solid Three, based yeah. off of what you said uh, with regard to spy thrillers and that, like. Is Charlize Theron in it? No, she's not. Um, hmm. David Hayter is. Hmm. Um but But. Okay. Uh, It's also a video game, so it's a little bit different in presentation, but uh, as far as character and story goes, it's pretty solid.
0: John Wick really reminded me of The Northman, which I know you have not seen, but I'm thinking we're going to talk about it at some point because... Even if it's not its own episode, even if we do an episode on movies that are also video games, (laughs) because the Northman is like the most video game ass movie I've seen in some time. But one thing it did really well uh, that John Wick also does is the Northman is essentially like you're watching a monster movie just from the point of view of a monster. So it's not particularly scary, but you are just watching this person terrorize a group of villains and the group of people he's terrorizing are convinced it's a literal demon, <laughs> but you're just watching him do it all. And there's a lot of that in John wick. Cause again, there's sort of this tone of, of nihilism. Once the villains realize John wick is on their trail, they all essentially have a scene where they all go, ah, oh, we're fucked. And it's especially highlighted by the main villain explaining to his son in no uncertain terms that, uh, he could have killed any dog in the world and stolen any car in the world, but he had to do it to John wick. And because of that now, like the Russian mob is going to fall or something crazy.
1: (laughs) It rules folks. Watch John wick. Definitely assured that, uh, he would die very soon despite his belief that he would. not So, um, then you're just like, he's hanging out with his friends, uh, living it up and then he sees john wick in the corner of his eye and suddenly shits his pants right it's also basically it follows
0: <laughs> just with a <laughs> lot of guns and it, it is john wick john wick follows i am also kicking myself now because when we had the conversation of cool dads and john wick i did not mention willem dafoe
1: yeah willem dafoe uh i forgot was in the first film and uh yeah i I couldn't like I genuinely couldn't recall what his character did through that movie. So it was uh, a a surprise watching the plot unfold and and what his character did. Yeah. And he's he's great. He is great. He is fantastic in that movie. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. I hope this was
0: good. Uh, Oh, we do have a bit of an announcement. And that is that we are taking a wee bit of a break and we are not going to be back on air until the 7th of September. So, just two weeks. And then we're back. And do you know why that is, my friend?
1: You know, I'm I'm too scared to answer that. There's something spooky on the horizon. Oh, boy. It's getting spooky in here.
0: Mm-hmm. So, we'll see everyone then. Cue the spooky mechanics music. Yep, fade it up just like that. That's really good. You should barely be able to hear what I'm saying now, so... Yeah, that's the stuff.